You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Book two. There was no bed for her, and at night, when she had worked herself weary, she had to sleep by the earth in the ashes. Welcome to Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club. My name is Bethany, and today we are joined by a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? I would love to, Bethany. I am Ashley, also known as Ash. I work with Bethany's husband, and I am a Slytherin, and I'm very, very, very excited to be here. This is my first time ever doing a podcast, so... I hope it's a pleasant experience for you. It's been a pleasant experience listening to you guys. Yay! So Becca could not be here today because she and her husband are selling their home and buying an RV and going on an adventure. So she's a little busy this weekend with showings and trying to get the house ready. But don't worry, we're going to do our best to still give you a fantastic episode. So this is episode 7 and we're going to cover chapter 9 of Cinder. And I I have a lot of housekeeping first, so I'm just going to talk for a few minutes. And then you can help me read some reviews, because I have quite a few of them. Okay. Lucky us. So uh, the first thing I want to mention is our worldwide listener map is up on Facebook and Instagram. And you can message me on Instagram or comment on the picture to let me know if your state or country is not highlighted on the map. And I will be happy to add it. And then... When everything gets added, I'll probably post an updated map once or twice a month. Um, A thank you to listener Chandler's Little Devil on Instagram, who is nice enough to point out. Last week we talked about wondering uh, why everyone was speaking English in the books, and she pointed out that she has several correspondents in other countries and that they were all required to learn English in their schools. And she also pointed out that all of our lovely listeners in other countries are listening to us in English. So thank you for pointing that out. We have made a lot of milestones this week. So I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners because we are have, we have over 500 downloads now. Woo, woo. So thank you. It's so exciting. exciting. <laughs> That's super great. So we had some polls on, face- on our Instagram and Facebook that I'll get your opinion on. Uh, last episode, Becca was not a stan of Shakespeare and, and felt that he was overrated. And we actually ended up with a 50-50 uh, voting on Instagram and Facebook that every everyone was down the middle on whether or not he was overrated. I personally don't think he is, but what's your opinion on that? I think certain plays of his, certain works are overrated. Like Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. I absolutely hate that one. I had to... It's very problematic. It is. It's problematic. It's very... It idolizes being infatuated with people. And when I was in high school, I had a problem reading it because of that reason. Because I understood the infatuation. I was infatuated with my boyfriend for a time when I was in in high school. (laughs) It was a bad time. But... Other other plays and things. I like Hamlet. I know it has problems, but 
There's, there's a couple creepy moments. There but... are a couple <laughs> creepy moments. And then, of course, A Midsummer's Night Dream is one of my favorites. It's very whimsical and I love fairies. And magical. And yeah, I love the magic yeah. in it. One of my favorites is Taming of the Shrew. So if anyone's not familiar with that, go look it up. It's very... If you've ever seen the movie 10 Things I Hate About You, um, (laughs) it was, was, I don't know, vaguely inspired by Taming of the Shrew. (laughs) Um, And then our other poll was if anyone had heard of Gilgamesh. Which I'd heard of the name, but I didn't recall who it was. Yes. And we, I only had like three listeners on Instagram. It was, it was 21% to 79%. So most people have not heard of it. Uh, so I apologize. I just assumed everyone had to study it as much as I did, but I think we talked about it in history when I was like in sixth grade, which was a minute ago. Yeah. A long minute, (laughs) but a minute ago, because we would have to, I remember this distinctly. Um, We'd have to write down every single one of the notes off the board, and that's how we learned, was oh, just sure. doing no- notes. We and had we- a... Do you remember overhead projectors? Yes! Yes! I was lucky my school had gone to smart boards by that time, but... No, not mine. <laughs> we had this giant board that spanned the entire wall. We had to write stuff, so I'm pretty sure I wrote down his name a few times, but... Other than that, I don't. I the, didn't recall him. The at story all. didn't. Yeah, I take with you. Yeah, I don't think I ever read the story, which is part of the problem. <laughs> but um, so then I know we have a lot of housekeeping. We will get to the episode, I promise. Um, <laughs> so we have quite a few reviews to read. I was gonna wait for Becca, um, but she insisted that we go ahead without her. Um, so Ashley's gonna help me read a few of these. Do you want to read the first one? I shall. Yes, Amy eighty nine. Reviewed on Apple. Not really good with my words at times, but I got to try to express how much I love this podcast. I really like these books. These gals really like these books and bring a real-world aspect to the book that I never really took to the first time I read it. I love listening. Keep it up, ladies. Winky face, winky face. I really, like, actually love this because it's the same thing for me. Bethany made me read this book. Forced, specifically. <laughs> That's all our guests. Like, Becca was like that, too. I read this book because Bethany told me to. <laughs> pretty much forced it down all of our throats. But that's fine, because it's a really good book. But I, I inhaled this book in, like, two days. And I went to talk to her about it. And she... Bethany, what did you say to me? <laughs> well, you said... You said you predicted everything in the book, and I was like, oh, how did you predict this? And you were like, I don't remember that. And I was like, what about this? And you were like, I don't remember that. So, <laughs> so you yes. got the big picture stuff, though. <laughs> but there's a lot of lot of little things that I had missed going through, and listening to this podcast made me kind of figure out what Which I Which is, like, missed. why the Easter eggs are so fun. Yeah. Because... There are a lot of elements of foreshadowing. Oh, my God. Yes. And some of them don't get answered until, like, the very end of the fourth book. So it's insane how many Easter eggs they are. And some of them are really, really, really tiny. Um, yes. And I think I mentioned it on the last episode. We're actually going to start having hatching soon. Okay. Cool. Which is when they are finally revealed in this story. And I'm really excited to reveal those to people. I've had a couple of people on Instagram guess, and they've gotten it right, and some people have gotten it wrong. Oh, but um, I'm really excited to to share all those little details with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting. I haven't I haven't gotten any of the Easter eggs. I'm just rereading the 
Cinder, slowly, very slowly, unlike the first time I read it. And you and just started Scarlet? I did. I just started Scarlet. I'm about like a fifth of the way through. And it's yes. Great. Cress is my favorite, so I'm really excited for you to get to that one. Soon. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, there was another Instagram review uh, from TLC Creswell. It says, I just want to give a shout out to the first ever Marissa Meyer podcast. They think of things that I've never even once thought about while reading the books. And because of that, I just love them more now. Um, and then we had another one that wasn't really a review, but it was really sweet and it just warmed my heart. Uh, Whimsical X Dragons posted a comment that just said, I always look forward to Mondays now. And that just made me really happy. <laughs> it is super sweet. Yeah. I feel it though. Yeah. Do you want to read the next uh, review for me? I would love to. So from Castbox, BAJ08. Fifteen, loving this podcast. You guys go into so much detail and point out a lot of things I never noticed bef before when reading the books. I really appreciate all the work you guys put into this. Smiley face. That's so sweet. These yeah. are like the greatest. Yeah, and I, I, they make me really happy. And they're all on the same lines of saying that we reveal a lot of details and that makes me really happy too because sometimes I feel like we get a little long-winded <laughs> um so I'm glad to know that that our long-windedness is just exposing some of the smaller details that might be missed it is and it, I think I mean there are a lot of things like I said already that I I missed when I read it the first time and the second I, time I've missed it again and listening to the podcast makes me realize things and look at it in a different lens yeah, I've, I've read the books twice, and I've listened to them on audiobook twice, and there are things I've missed. In doing this podcast, I am discovering more and more details myself, and so I'm very happy to share those with everyone. No, it's um, I have quite a few shout-outs to give on Instagram, so I'm just going to read them all. <laughs> um, and then I'll probably, uh, after posting this, I'll do a shout-out on Instagram on our uh, story and highlight everyone so you can actually click on their names if you want to. So to all of our listeners and the ones that participated in the listener poll, um, I was trying to see how many people were listening to our episodes. <laughs> um, so uh, Rianne01, uh, B-E-E-A-J-0815, Channery's Little Devil, who is basically our number one correspondent. She's always messaging me and I love it. Um, TLC underscore Lunars, The Head Thaumaturge, Grace underscore Riavis 18, uh, Estelera, <laughs> Evie underscore Cheth, Deganaa underscore UWU. And like I said, I will, I will tag all of those because, uh, they don't translate very well sometimes when it's an Instagram name, uh, <laughs> and you're trying to read it. So I will tag all of those for everyone. Um, so I think we're ready to get into the chapter, which I know it's a really short chapter, but we had a lot of house cleaning and there's, there's quite a few things to talk about going on in here. There is, there's, and I have Becca's notes, so I'm going to be giving us a few of her details too. Yeah. So we left off with, um, Cinder glaring to the jerk on the other side of the glass and she's starting to feel... <laughs> Completely defeated by the Medroids and the Letamosis virus. Yeah. I think she just doesn't have a good running with these Medroids. Like, no. she's never met one that she likes. 
I I mean I haven't either in this book yet. So true. But <laughs> I mean, I one took away her sister and yeah. jabbed her, and then the next ones that she encountered literally kidnapped her and took her hostage. And this yes. one's injecting her with letomosis and plugging into her, which is really creepy. Creepy. <laughs> I think a breach of consent there. Yes, we talked about that a lot on the last episode, that there's quite a bit of, uh, there's a big breach of consent in all of this, like when they're moving parts of her clothing and things while she's unconscious, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that makes sense, like, if you're, you've ever been in a medical environment. Yes, They yes. kind of try to keep your, your de- decency, but at the same time, if they need to get to something, they have to get to something. Yes. So. And I guess that does give them a little bit of an excuse. But it's still a little a unnerving. Yes. Yeah, and that she didn't, she didn't consent to it either. That actually that bothered me. But <laughs> well, she doesn't have any rights. Um, it's still at all, and it's yeah. it's horrible. Yeah. Um, so we start off with book two, and these people are just completely desensitized. Lee is talking about taking a nap, really, right now. <laughs> He's like, it'll be a while before everything before the letimosis kicks in. Should we go yeah. take a nap and come back later? Sure, we'll just let this child die on the table while you guys go catch some Z's. Right. Get a siesta in. So, yeah. It's horrible. I don't have anything to say. (laughs) It's horrible. It is horrible. And then Fatine is even worse because she's already thinking of her monetary value after she dies. And Becca pointed out that, like, she's selling off cyborg parts. Like, grave robbing, basically. And, I mean, and that's just, like, one of her parts, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. It's just her, is it her spine? They're talking about her spine, her ribs, her brain, her auto-interface, her leg, her little, um, the hatch and, the hatch. The compartment in her leg. Her Um, handy-dandy compartment. Her handy-dandy compartment, her arm, so. And... They're basically talking about her like she's a car or a computer, and when she's, quote, no longer operational, they're going to sell off her parts. Which, okay, so I'm an organ donor. I am too, I am too. But I consented to that. I she actually has had to not. say yes. And, yes. To, to harvest and you actually have to sign a bunch of paperwork and yes. read through a bunch of paperwork yes. too. And, I mean, I'm organ donor everywhere because being, I'm military, so being military, I have, I have that right to do it to be an organ donor there as well as just like your driver driver's license. But that's my body. What is it? Autonomy. Mm-hmm. And her not having any of that. I mean, that just bothers me that they're looking at it. Like she's, she is a used car that, or like something that you go to the junkyard, which they did earlier on in the book and pick parts off. Like yeah. That's, that's still human. And it's what we've talked human. about a lot on the last few episodes is that she doesn't have any rights. This is a clearly segregated society where cyborgs are not only the minority, they're the oppressed. Yeah. And And on top of everything else that she's already having to go through and deal with. Now we're learning that not only is she going to be killed by this disease any moment now because they're injecting it into her, but they're also already thinking, well, what can we get from her after Mm -hmm. she dies? What can we gain from her death? Like they're not gaining enough. There's no compassion whatsoever, no. and that bothers me. But, I mean, think when you think about it, like, this disease is running rampant throughout humanity, and it could be lack of compassion because they're desensitized to that. I think they're completely desensitized yeah. to it, yeah. Especially Thetine and, and how she talked about in the last chapter that they weren't even people. 
Yeah. It, it seems like she's completely desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. And when they're plugged into her, like, her cyborgness, it's, it isn't just more than its typical way. Her eyes and her auditory and everything, like, they're very, very special. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be slightly fascinated with her technology. And it's interesting to me that they that they want to sell it off at all with their fascination with it. You'd think maybe they would want to study it or learn study from it. it. Learn it. And the fact that we're so fascinated by this, um, they say that every seven years our knowledge doubles. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I one. have heard of that. Um, this was, what, five years ago that she got all of these different cyber parts? Yes, yeah, so they're parts. already they're obsolete. Dated. They're yeah. dated, but they're still so enamored by it that well, so her brain being what it is, and I can't remember for sure, but the way that her brain functions, I think it probably has an update system. It could. Where it updates specific but, softwares, but it will still fall behind. But, yeah, I mean, it, you can only update your software so far. I know this because I work with IT as well. Yeah, well, anybody who has an iPhone knows that after a few years it's no longer compatible it, yes, and you got to get a new one. So. You do. And it's... For me, it's mind-boggling. It is her mind. But that it would be so so up-to-date, even though it was five years before and we're in the future. And it just, it was very, with my background, it, it was interesting to see. I was confused, but at the same time, like, really, really interested because it's, it's putting technology with the human if the human aspect to it, and these guys are so so in depth with it that they're like it's very oh, like wow. Isaac Asimov to me. iRobot. iRobot. The okay, writing yeah. of iRobot, not yeah. the film, the actual okay. yeah. the book. Um, but those types of elements where it's um, computer meets human mm-hmm. equals new. I don't know species or, species. or however new, or new forms. Race. New race, new yeah. forms of technology. I guess race would be appropriate considering the segregation and oppression yes. we're dealing with yeah. in this society. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other big thing about it is, how, what are they going to use that for? Yes. Theoretically, you could use. She bought a new foot, mm-hmm. so you can buy new parts and use them and recycle them. But theoretically, her brain would be specifically designed for her, especially the fact that it's attached to her eyes and her ears. And so it makes me think it would match her specific cranium shape. And I'm not sure that that one is as easy to, you know, implant as like a foot or a hand. You say that, it actually gave me a thought. Um, What if, so say something bad was to happen, would they be able to use her brain and would she come back to life? Like soul stuff? Or would it be like, would she remember it? How much of her brain is? Cybernet, cy- uh, hers and how much of her is cyber- her and how yes. much of it is cybernetics? Yeah, and that just I just that just popped in my head. So it's theoretically you can do that now. You can upload all of your thoughts and mm-hmm. memories on a computer and live forever as a machine. But there are limitations. Even if her brain, you know, sort of lived on, yeah. you know, your heart only has so many beats. Your mm-hmm. lungs are only going to produce so much and. I suppose in this reality, there might be a heart that is cyborg or bionic. Yeah, that you can, I mean, we, we kind of do that know, now with pacemakers. So. With pacemakers, and also, I mean, we have 3D printers now, too, mm-hmm. that have been, you know, a big advancement in the medical society. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Which they sure. weren't at the time of this book being released, but um, they are really big now. Yeah. But, yeah, that's an interesting point. We'll have to pay attention in the books to see if it pops up again, because I cannot remember. I think it does. I'm only on book two, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know. I really have not read these books with enough of a fine tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and any of our listeners who know for sure, please message me on Instagram and let me know. And as long as it's spoiler-free, I'll reveal it on the next episode of our podcast. Um, so next they're talking about this hover accident. And I didn't notice this, did you? Becca pointed out that there's a Harry Potter similarity here because Lillian James, yes. quote, died in a car crash. And that was also a lie. Yes. Um, and so she was wondering if the hovercraft really happened or if it was a lie. Yeah. I mean... They have those little, what do they call them, in their arms? The ID chip. The ID chip. So is that like a false identification that was put in that chip? If it would have to be it? under the scenario that Becca is suggesting, right? Yes. Yeah. So. But it could have definitely happened, but I think I think the laws on wearing seatbelts in the future would be the same. Well, and Dr. Erwan <laughs> says that um, it was really common to have, I have the page right here. Spinal injuries used to be quite common before computer operation navigation took over. So, I mean, it's really, if it was that common, uh, especially enough that he remembers it as a doctor, we don't know how old he is, Mm -hmm. but we have to assume based off of this statement that he's treated those injuries or maybe was exposed to them or had to learn about them during his residency or something. Yeah. So... It it definitely could have happened. I'm not defeating it. When I read it the first time, I was like... That's weird that it's a question, but okay, let's continue. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that... It's interesting the places she chooses to put question marks. Yes. Yeah. And how the the characters interact with each other. Yes, especially Dr. Erlond, who's still a relatively new character. Yeah, Um, and definitely an unknown. Yes, and there's a lot of variables about him right now that are very mysterious. He is super mysterious. I would... That's money right there. Yeah, we talked He's, about last chapter that when we first met him, he kind of came off as a little perverted because he was obsessed with teenage girls and his <laughs> assistant didn't really trust him. And yeah. <laughs> maybe sexist because he didn't want his assistant to be taller than him. But um, the more we've gotten to know him, the more I like him. Mm-hmm. And um, Channery's Little Devil wanted me to ask Quentin, my husband, since he's read the book now, who his favorite character from the first book is. And he said Dr. Erland. So... I could see that. He's definitely going to be a more significant character to keep our eye on. (laughs) Whole eye on him. (laughs) Yes, yes. I like him. I do like him. He's grown on me. But again, I'm only on on book two. (laughs) Yes, and the part here. Yeah. In here, in this book, he did grow on me a lot. Yeah, and and it's a very gradual... We get a lot of surface level stuff with him in the beginning, so... Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's how we meet anybody. Yes. We see them yeah. at their service level, their face that they present to the world. Yes. And, and then we get to know who they are later their on. Their hidden face. So I, yes. I'm excited to see what his hidden face is going to be revealed to us. This is so cool. I love this pot. <laughs> I just, it's so, I don't know why, but I find it so adorable that he's just staring at the, the girl on the other side of the glass. He's staring at the hologram and he's just you can kind of picture, I picture it in my head so clearly. He's fascinating. His mouth is slightly hung open. Everybody's talking in the background. And he's just kind of whispering to himself. 
something is missing. And then they're all kind of distracted, like, what? What are you talking about, yeah. old man? And a little green firefly. And I yes. just, I love that scene because I feel like I can picture it so clearly. It was written so well. Despite Honestly, the fact that there's really not that much description to it. And you have to kind of imagine what this lab is looking like. Um, I picture it, like, back when I, my, when I had my surgery, how, like, sterile, clean, very white, all walls. Um, and he's looking at this screen and little fireflies, like, on a person, like, I pictured it in my head. It was perfect. It was the best. Yeah, I picture like a very white, very sterile room. Yeah. Um, similar to if you've ever seen the film The Host, everything was very white, very pearly, very bright. So I've never seen it, very but the way that you describe it, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very... Um, and, and that's... Hospitals nowadays are more... I don't know. They try more to be a little bit homier and a little mm-hmm. bit more cozy to make people feel comfortable. But when I was growing up, hospitals were super basic. Super clean. And I could smell it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I can smell this I, picture. Yes. yes. <laughs> I could because it smells like... And like you can kind of hear the hum of the fluorescent lighting oh, and uh. the, the equipment in the background. Yeah. And, yeah, it's very... And, and none of this is described. No, it's not all. described. It's just like, something that we inferred, and I'm glad that you have the same exact picture of it that I did. Yeah, because it's, that's probably what she was going for, anyway. <laughs> but it's great to know that without so much description, she can reveal that. We talked about mm-hmm. that in our last chapter. They really, she doesn't go into details about how Cinder is feeling. She doesn't say yeah. Cinder feels helpless or Cinder started to get defeated, like. It's but you earth. feel that when you're reading it, and you can feel her panic attack. When yes. she has her panic attack, it's very real. I, Without a lot of, you know, emotional detail, description yeah. or detail, you still feel that panic attack with her. I felt, I mean, I felt it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I was like, I had heavy breathing, all the symptoms <laughs> of ha- going through something like that. And the urgency, the sense of anxiety, the... the uh, I read yes. this chapter, and I was like, ah! Yeah, and it... <laughs> It very much, um, it very much reminds me of, you know, some of the emotions you feel in other books and films when you're just kind of on the edge of your seat trying to yes. figure out what's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. And feeling very defeated. Like, Becca mentioned when we read that chapter that obviously it wasn't the end because the book is named Cinder and there's still like 300 pages, but it I mean, does yeah. have a sense of foreboding attached to it. Yeah. So. And I mean, uh, this even, even his, his mentioning about little green fireflies feels very foreboding. And how he, I mean, like you read, just read, something is missing. And we go a little bit later on to, like, their, the, the techs are over there counting them. And then they pause on the number 12 with a gasp. They yeah. gasp, like, <gasps> And it even said, one just disappeared. I yes. can hear that. And again, she said pointing to an empty spot on the girl's right thigh. She does not describe Fatine's tone of voice or inflection. No. Well, you can hear it. You can. One just disappeared. A micro. It was right there. I was looking right at it, and now it's gone. Now it's gone. And you it's, can hear the panic and confusion in her voice. Yes. And it's, I mean, we just inferred that. But we, we both read it the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, this is some, this is magnificent writing on her part because oh, yeah. we're able to infer the story without those teeny tiny you know, in tone. And if you go back and read other stories, especially Harry Potter, which I love, um, it's always described. It is. She said simply, Mm -hmm. he said dully, 
you know, it's, it's always implied what that emotion is. Yes. And very rarely is it implied in, in Marissa Meyer's writing overall. Yeah. Um, but it's easy to infer and interpret based off of the text and the situation and the context. And, I mean, just as a very novice person out there writing, like, this is, this is top shit writing right here. Yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> it is. This is some good stuff this right here. Stuff. And <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see that the first time around. Cause yeah. I mean, it's labeled as a young adult, so you're kind of like, oh, lovey stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and stuff. but and there's some elements of that throughout the whole series. But I one of the things I love about this book is that that's not true. The main component. No, it's no, not. And, and for the most part, it's not even considered. Yeah, and, and especially like right now we're you know we're on book two we're on chapter nine we're almost a hundred pages in, and it's really just been about her and her situation. Yeah, and I mean the the world building of her world. Yeah, and it's it's still we're still in those those infant steps on getting into into the entire book at eight, page eighty nine. <laughs> yeah, and and so much has already happened because. What we talked about last episode, it's crazy, but this is all the same day. Yes, and... This, this morning she was at the market meeting the prince and working and dealing with the hot sun, and there was a plague, you know, in Sasha's market, and, and it's still the same day, and that just baffles me. This is a very it, long day for her. It's very it's very trippy. Yes, me. yes. And, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even classify this as young adult. I'd classify this a little bit higher level because of the writing style that she uses well, and the not necessarily the words but the not inflection either but the way that she writes it and yeah the literary the devices that yeah. she uses yeah and as a librarian um the term young adult often is frustrating in the library community because people kind of place anything you know beginning of chapter level mm-hmm. to stuff like this or a little bit more advanced as yeah. young adult and I feel like there should almost be, like, technically, yes, there is a juvenile section, and it's targeted towards a specific yeah. reading level and a specific age group, but I almost feel like there should be, like, you know, juvenile, yeah, which would maybe be, like, 9 to 12 years old, mm-hmm. adolescence, which would maybe be, like, 14 to 18, and then 18 to 25 would be the young adult range, and that's yeah. how some librarians, I'm not going to speak for all of them, some librarians like myself tend to categorize books in our head that way. Like Princess Diaries would be an adolescent book, yes, for example. It, it very much is because of yes. the way it's written and portrayed. Yes. And, I mean, that's just what I got it. That's what I read it. Yeah. But then and, again, I was reading... <laughs> Ranger's Apprentice would be more of a juvenile book. Mm-hmm. Just be- It's beautiful and it's well-written, but it is a little easier to understand, and it doesn't get too complicated or overwhelming. This, well, yeah, and you said that. Complicated and overwhelming. This book... For me, it's kind of complicated. Yeah. But not in the, like, how typical you would think about it. It's complicated because there's so many small little details that she goes into. Doesn't necessarily give us the whole picture right off the bat. We don't. It's very gradual. It's very gradual, and you have to be paying attention. The entire book is paying attention to it. I feel like that's very authentic to storytelling in general, but also to life. Yes. Because... You know, if you pay attention to some books, there's a prologue or, or, you know, let's talk about Harry Potter. In the very first chapter of Harry Potter, 
we're introduced to the Dursleys and who they are and what their yes. life is like. Then we're introduced to who Harry is, why he's there, why he's being abandoned. Mm-hmm. We get these little trickles of the magical world and elements in it. So we're already yeah. knowing exactly who these people are and what's going on. Yes. Whereas the very first like sentence of this whole series is about a cyborg girl and her foot. The yeah. screw. This is the first sentence. The screw through Cinder's ankle had rusted. The engraved cross marks worn to a mangled circle. The very first chapter of this book is just her at work. And it's... We're just kind of walking into a story that's already happening. Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad. Yeah, it's very know, sad. I don't know if anybody's ever dealt with a screw that's stripped, but that is depressing to oh, me. Oh, it's frustrating, <laughs> and it's so stressful because you just... It won't go! Yes, it's so stressful. It's so stressful. Lots of cuss words. <laughs> we can bleep out the cuss words. I cussed in the last one, and I found oh, a way okay. to mute it. Oh, but okay. I want to find something cute to put in there, like a bird chirping or something. I don't know. I'll just... So, like, if I cuss instead, it'll be like... Or something. Yeah, I don't know. that'd be cute. That'd be adorbs. <laughs> so I, I just kind of, you know, silenced it in the last one, but I, I got very emotional when I was like, how is this still the same day? Yes. This is crazy. This and that... This is still the same day. It's the same day, and it's crazy. This yeah. is crazy, honestly. And to think, like, going back to that, that quote that we had just, well, we had just said it a little bit earlier, a microbe was right here, and I was looking at it, and now it's gone. Just real fast, real said, said real quick. Yeah, and you can feel the urgency when she says it, and her and shock can- and confusion. She points at it, and everybody pays attention. Everybody zones in on what she had just described to everybody. And two more dots flicker and disappear. Yes. Like. And I just realized we completely glossed over something that was really big, and I don't know how it didn't end up in my notes. Or Becca's. Or I guess yours. (laughs) Top of page 88. He tapped on the top of the glowing spine where two metal vertebrae connected. And enlarge the image. What had been a small shadow before now appeared too substantial, too geometric. And they talk about, is this a chip? And yeah. uh, Dr. Erlon suggests that maybe it's two pieces that were broken and had to be, like, re-welded together. Uh, what do you think this is? Remember, no spoilers. No spoilers on her spine, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the top of page 88 for anyone who's looking when at I, their book. When I read it, I was, I was thinking... Because the vertebrae up at your neck are kind of bony and in- chunky and bony, chunky, and you know, kind of important because they protect your spine more on be- between your head and your your like torso. Yes. So they are going to be a little bit more strong. So maybe she, maybe she, her neck might have cracked or something like that when she was in her her accident, and they did have to reweld it. So that's what I initially thought that she. Maybe something bad actually happened to her neck. Her spinal cord was still intact, but her neck itself couldn't couldn't hold itself. So okay. when I first read this, uh, I do remember the first time I read this, and when Lee said it looked like a chip, I just thought it was something for her brain. Okay, yeah, because she's got a brain. She and so it. I was I pictured like a little tiny like fuse or something, you know, like those old fuses you put in cars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I pictured like a yeah. little tiny fuse, like what you would put in the car. So I just thought it was something like that, something yeah. connected to her brain. I did think that it. I mean the the welding together. My, yeah, my cousin Walter the welder. 
<laughs> who works at Walters. Um, I love it. It's it. I love the alliteration. It's like a it's, it's so like a, a nursery rhyme or something. <laughs> um, he welds, and I mean, I've seen his work. But some people aren't the best at welding, and welding on a body would. But be it can good, be very pers- uh, pristine. pristine and, yes. and geometric if you do it properly, and if you're skilled at the craft, and so it's plausible. It is very plausible. So I didn't. I mean, looks like a chip. Looks like welding. I don't know. I'm gonna keep my eye out on that. I one. apologize to all our listeners. My dogs are whining in the background. If you can hear it, I'm sorry. Babies. <laughs> uh, they, they just they want act, their mother. They act like they don't get attention, but don't you worry, they get plenty. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, anyways, I'm glad we went back and pointed that out, but let's get back to the fireflies. Her immune yes. system. And what Lee if, says her immune system is going berserk. I love that word. Berserk, <laughs> yes. And I really like that they use fireflies. I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. Yes, yeah. I like the, the imagery of it. Yes. But it reminds me of going outside and looking at fire fireflies or lightning bugs, yes. as I call them. Um, going out and watching them. I was at picturing. Dusk. Did you ever see Anastasia the cartoon? I, I love that. I was picturing the little tiny green uh, fireflies from that were in yeah. his uh, uh, vial. Yeah, is that the right word? Um, so I was picturing that when I read this. I see that. But the I very was picturing neon lime bright green colors. I was I was literally picturing going outside when I was a kid watching the lightning bugs for the first time. We didn't have them. Um, we moved across the country. We didn't have them in Washington, but when we moved to Illinois, we we did have them. I haven't seen the them a lot time. down here either. Yeah, but it was the first time I had ever seen them, and I was like twelve. <laughs> it was the first time I ever seen that, and it it enamored me, and I would love it. Just thought it was great. of something. What fireflies disappear. They do. Their lights blink in and out. Yeah. And you have to try to follow where they go to catch them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was, that's why I love I it never, so much. <laughs> it went right over my head. But yeah, that is beautiful imagery. The fireflies disappearing is, is very poetic in that way when you compare it to chasing fireflies in the dark and watching them, yeah. you know, go in and out of view. You yeah. can find them. And these are just. That was a good one. <laughs> I, that's why I loved it. You, you explained it. Exactly I almost right. said, uh, "I almost said, kiss your brain," which is something I used to say to my preschoolers when I when I taught preschool. So it's adorbs. Is but I think it's better than saying like "good job" or something. So, <laughs> um. Anyways, so again, we don't get a description of the intonation of his voice, but we know that he's urgent. Mm-hmm. Dr. Erlon leaned into the microphone and it doesn't even say quickly leaned into the microphone or clumsily because of his speed or something. It just says that he leaned in. Uh, Med, please draw another blood sample quickly. It's very clear that that's a sense of urgency. Med, please draw another blood sample quickly. He's impatient. He wants this information. He wants this information. He wants to know why everything is disappearing. He does. And and they haven't given her the antidote yet. They haven't given her the antidote, which is crazy because you're like, what in gest... What? How is she... <laughs> I never said what in gestation. I meant what in tarnation. Yeah. <laughs> How is she curing herself without the antidote even being... What What if it's her... Like the cyborg stuff. Maybe that's why they want somebody with cybernetics because maybe her... That's why the draft system. applies to... Yeah. 
Maybe their immune system because helped previously fight it. they they used the excuse of, and we talked about this a lot in the last chapter. Um, they used the excuse that cyborgs were the ones being tested on because mm-hmm. they had already been given a second chance at life. And the reason we talked about it so much in the last chapter is because the gentleman that was brought in from the draft was six percent. It was just his foot. And we were both just shocked and baffled that that person would be required to give back his life to society when it wasn't saving his life in the slightest. And he paid for it himself. He paid for it, which I didn't catch the first time I read it. Yeah, it said that he probably spent his whole life savings on the operation. What what killed me, too, is that he got drafted and he's a single father. What's going to happen to that child? Are there orphanages in this time? I have to assume it either goes to kinship or, yeah, orphanages or... But worst comes to worst, what happened in the 1940s is you were just kind of there and you had to go get a job. And a lot of young children below the age of 10 worked in factories and lived on their own and even even drank and took drugs and stuff. So, I mean, the concept of children in the way that we view them now in our society is still relatively new, still within the last 30 to 40 years. So it's possible that this this society, which already seems sort of archaic just in their yes exactly their social class structure maybe Mm -hmm. it it, and it seems like cinder started working at 11 which is older than six but not by much i believe that would be more of i don't remember how to say the word i have it in my head i can't spell it (laughs) but it's a very specific unique circumstance i mean she was extenuating circumstance thank you that's the word i was looking for (laughs) Words are hard. Now I can kiss my brain. <laughs> yes, you kiss your brain now. Um, I think because her family is so terrible, specifically the one, Audrey, I hate her. Yes, <laughs> as we burning, all do. With a burning passion in my heart, that it's it shouldn't be the norm, right? That shouldn't be the norm. Hers is very specific. And obviously, the book's called Cinder. Obviously, we're... <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's about a fairy tale, so we already knew that that's kind of how her life was going to be. But another child, putting that another child in there, you would think that the draft would see that. People would see that. And it well, would just be automatic. And We didn't see really goal. see... No. We weren't given an indication about fatherhood, but yeah. we didn't really see what happened with Sunto either, and he was the son of the baker who was yes. taken for plague. We saw, you know, co-workers of hers who were in the village, in the mm-hmm. town square, that also had markets, you know, quickly remove him from her and get him out of harm's way. So but we don't know his fate. Yeah, we don't know his fate and where that, he went, who he me, lives with. That gives me the intention that there is a sense of community. In this huge it takes city. a village. It does take a village, which is something that we've, I think we've lost a little bit. In our society. In our society now, but maybe it comes back. Sort of. In a very small way, I think that that is still very representative in small towns like where I grew up, but also okay. in the military. Yes, we do definitely take care of each other. And I personally am not religious, but I do think that some churches offer a sense of community in that way to people. I know that the church my friend went to a few yeah. years ago, shout out to Reagan if you're listening, um, they were had a very large sense of community. When she had a baby, uh, they took turns bringing dinner for her family every night for the first six weeks so that she didn't have to worry about cooking. Yeah. And I thought I was shocked by the kindness in that type of gesture. And I think that's, I mean... I'm, I love um, learning about other people's religions, things like that. I love hearing great stories about religion like that. 
um, in churches. And I think that's ultimately what church was originally for, was that sense of community building, because we're social animals. We are. We're very social animals, and we need that that connection. And, I mean, raising a child is hard. It is, especially it's if you're alone. Very difficult, um, because children need so much attention and time spent with them so that way they can learn. And structure and patience. And when you're on your own, you don't really have someone to share the burden. So your yes. patience is limited. Very limited. And I mean, I, honestly, I'm glad that there is a sense of community in this, this township. But we haven't felt it from Cinder's perspective. Other people are feeling this type of sense of friendship. Yes. And Cinder was ex- excluded from this village square sense of community that Sunto and uh, Sasha got to be a part of because she was segregated. Sasha didn't serve cyborgs. Everyone veered clear of her, her booth, knowing her circumstances, who she is, what she is. Even though she's probably the brightest mechanic in this city, if not maybe even the world. Yeah. And she's, and, and so much so that the prince himself, when he needed a good mechanic, New seeked her specifically out. Yeah. So I just, I mean, <laughs> we derailed just a minute there, but I think it's That's what we're famous for is going off is. on crazy tangents. It is, but it's very like it's very important to the story, even at this level, because even you can see the kinship between Doctor Erland and his assistants. Yes, you can see it that they they're part of a community and. They don't always agree, but they work together in a very functional way. Yes, and that's that's always good to see. In, yeah, in life. And uh, so she's moving on. They're moving her to Lab Four, even though it's not set up for quarantine. It isn't. Well, after they get a blood sample. Yes, he wants another blood sample, and he wants the first blood sample. I'm assuming so he can compare. Compare the first, two. The first time and then the second time. Yeah. He also bites his nails. I know, I that's think that's kind of a sweet little manner. It humanizes I, him. It does, and I do that all the time. Actually, when I had my acrylics, disgusting story, just give me a second. <laughs> but I, down here, we have an influx of termites. Oh, yes. They're the worst. Um, but I was biting on my nail, playing some sort of video game, and I crunched on a termite under oh, my nail. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's yucky, sweetie. Yeah, but I bite on my. I bite on my I don't. Too. I don't bite my fingernails, but I did when I was. Uh, when I was a child, I did. It's bad. I completely bad. missed that part where he was biting on his fingernails. Yeah. Um, and he's giddy. He's giddy, but I love it because it humanizes him in such a real way. That is a human thing to do to to yeah. try to control yourself when you're overwhelmed by that excitement. You know, such excite. Um, <laughs> and he wants to untie her too, which the teen is like kind of scared of. Yeah. And, I mean, even what you you jumped ahead just a little bit about the untying her, but when all the microbes disappear, have her taken to lab four. Which, yeah, which isn't set up for quarantine. Which isn't set for quarantine, and he says, indeed, she won't be contagious. And he snaps his fingers. I like that. Just... Medroid! <laughs> just a snap. And... Untied she won't her. be contagious. By then, all the fireflies will have uh, disappeared. So, that's a big deal. The sun has set. The sun has set, and we're officially on another day, I think. Yeah, and it's... Um, but this day was long. It was long, but I've had long days. Not like this, but there are some days that feel like it's more than one. It's 
Becca has in her notes, and I'm trying to figure out where it's at, short chappy, that's what stood out so far. Um, short chappy? I think because he's short and his oh. personality is kind of... Chappy, I believe, is derived from Chaplin. Okay. Right? So... Because uh, I, I went another way, the movie Chappy. Never saw it. Okay. But it's she, she a, might be referring to that, too. I should it's text her. It's about, about a what? It's about a droid... Oh, it's probably that, then. That's far more of a kinship to this book. It's been a minute since I've... I watched it, and I'm not great at movies and watching them uh, to their full extent, because I'm normally cleaning or... Doing other things. Playing on my phone, looking at memes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I watched it at my at my parents' house, and I don't remember what happened. This is where my husband would be great for this. Yeah. Because he would, he'd be like, blah, 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 this is what happened. <laughs> and, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I think... I mean, and Lee too, is, it's like... Lee, Lee is also concerned because uh, he doesn't want to be on the other side of that, that fist. No. Yeah, he says it. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be on the other side of that fist if she got angry. What is he afraid of? <laughs> well, I mean, she took out two Mendroids. Well, yeah, but... And I mentioned in that chapter that it's a good thing they sent three, because it didn't take her long to, to take out two to Mendroids. Them, yeah. Yeah, she could have easily gotten away if they hadn't sent another one. But would they be able to track her? Oh, yeah, she's got yeah, the ID chip. Yeah, That's the invasion of privacy. Yeah. Um, Creepy. But Dr. Erland says you don't have to be afraid of it because I'm going to see her alone. I'm yeah. going to meet with her in private. Which is, when I read that, I was like, oh, no, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. That's yep. scary. Like, because we did see her moment of badassery. Yes, and yes. And she's like... He's she's not afraid bad. of her in the slightest. No, which makes me wonder. And he's kind of little. Maybe does he know something? What does he know that we don't know? What does he know that makes him not afraid of her in the slightest, but makes him also want to meet with her alone? Why does he not want his technicians there, if for no other reason than to order them around and make him do the busy work kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So that he's but, not the one getting the lab samples or running the tests and things like that. He can just be talking to her. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. That, yeah. That was ominous and foreboding. It is. It's very, and it's very interesting because, because this is who Dr. Erland is so far yeah and he's is, just like we said he's very mysterious he's and this is a mysterious. mysterious thing to do we don't know why he's doing this and neither do his uh assistants yeah their technicians so, i wonder she's gonna be moved because she's not contagious yeah what? but he's gonna see her by himself by himself um, and that's the end of this chapter did you pick a favorite quote i did it's actually later on it is Indeed, she won't be contagious. That's it. Yeah. Because it... It says everything. It says everything about this chapter to me. Because we started off with, I mean... Successful transmission of all the carriers. And at the end, she won't be contagious. Yeah. And it's just... I think it just ties up that that chapter. Like, it was very gut-wrenching and... And what Becca was talking about last episode, we get an, it ends on another cliffhanger. That's what she does best. Every it's so hard to not read these books quickly. It is. It's been very difficult for me to stop after <laughs> after just the one chapter. I want to keep going. Same. Um. So Becca's quote was, "I know I wouldn't want to be a, on the other side of that fist if she got angry." <laughs> and she beautiful. says, "She says yes, girl. Our kid has spunk." 
That's awesome. Again, this is not the Cinderella I grew up with. No, this girl is fierce. She is fierce. And she is not killing anyone with kindness. She is ready to use a mag belt to hit someone upside the head. She is tell- not going down easy. No, she doesn't go down easy. She's very... I don't want to say rebellious. Because she's she, quick to advocate for herself. Yes, she protects herself. Yes. And that's me that, like, has she had to fight her entire life? We don't she's really obviously know, we had to... She's obviously had a rough life. Yeah. And we see... You know, on page two of the story, she's, not like wires are contagious. She's yeah. already sassy. She's, she's so got sassy. an attitude, and it's not your typical teenage girl attitude like we all get. I was, <laughs> I apologize to my mother and father from when I was sixteen because I was a right little terror. But um, I was an angel, ma'am. <laughs> uh, no, I used to say I didn't like break any rules or anything, but I had an attitude. I used I, to say "grr." Anytime my mother annoyed me, I'd be like, grr. <laughs> it reminds me of seen kids. Grr <laughs> <laughs> <Your> XD. Yeah. <laughs> Roar. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this isn't even your typical teenage angst like what we it get is. with the fifth book of Harry Potter, where he's just uh, a nightmare. He is a nightmare. Um, but she's got reason to be HD. I wasn't like that as a child. As a teenager. Oh, I, I, I had an attitude, but... I didn't have an attitude. I was just very, very witty, and my parents didn't know how to deal with that because they had raised that. <laughs> they were like, what do I do with this now? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really... I didn't break any rules or anything. I mostly just, like, read, and I did get in trouble quite a few times for... Because I'm a librarian. Reading when I was supposed to be in bed. So, they I actually just, like, had to move my bedroom because my bedroom... What, the street light was, like, right outside my bedroom because our house was on the street corner. Yeah. So I would sit in the window when I was supposed to be sleeping and read by the, the street light. Mm. So they had to move my bedroom to the other side of the house. What a bad girl. Oh, I did it for years, but it wasn't until my dad started working nights that they even noticed. That's awesome. <laughs> I was really surprised that I even got in trouble for it because I was like, what? And they, were, they weren't, like, mean about it. They were just like, well, what did we expect, I guess? Because... That's just who I was. I was always yeah. reading. Yeah, me too. I was that way too. Um, By but, getting grounded, they would take away my library card. Aw. That's how you punish a, a future librarian. <laughs> my parents, I didn't get in trouble a lot like that, but I did get in trouble for going upstairs and reading because it was away from the distractions. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got ADHD, so it's hard for me to sit there and... And read with a lot of distractions sometimes. Sometimes I need to be away. And I would get in trouble for going upstairs and reading, and then I'd have to go downstairs. But I didn't like going downstairs to read, because my dad would sit there and ask me all the questions about the books. And I'm like, I'm trying to read. Can you leave me alone? Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was the only thing that I had when I was reading. And then I got a Kindle, and that was fun, because then I could have my books, and nobody knew what I was reading. Yeah, they weren't really a thing when I was a kid. Um, they didn't come out until I, I was in college. I am a little <laughs> bit of a baby compared you are. to everyone else. So. Um, but, yeah, my, my sisters and I are all big readers. Uh, with the exception of Lindsay, she reads for academic purposes. Okay. Um, she likes reading, like, articles and things that educate her, but she's not big on reading uh, for pleasure. Okay. Uh, except yeah. Twilight. She loves Twilight. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I, and my mom is a big reader, too, and so is my dad. So I think everybody was a little lenient on the reading yeah. thing, but I probably shouldn't have been doing it at 2 in the morning when I was 15, you know? My parents weren't big, aren't big readers. My dad, um, he was in the Air Force. <laughs> he read a lot of military jargon and stuff like that, and we used to, we used to listen to um, 
an audiobook for military stuff. In no, that car. sounds so much fun. And it was a snooze fest, and it was on cassette tape, so enjoy that. Oh, cassette tidbit. tape. Yeah, but my mom doesn't read. My mom has the whole Outlander. She loves Outlander. Yeah. She has the whole series, and she won't read it. Yeah. So, I mean, I I was always a reader, so I was kind of, I was kind of the oddball out. Well, Quentin's not a big reader either. He's like Lindsay. He reads for academic purposes. Yeah. Um. So when he read this book, it was actually, he listened to it on audio. And I've been trying to get him to read it for years. And he really enjoyed listening to it. I so I'm glad love, that I finally got him to listen to it and be exposed to it. I would love to listen to this while I sew or while I do laundry. Uh, the audiobooks are actually very good. Yeah, I enjoy them said. a lot. Yeah. So, um, anyways. Uh, <laughs> my, my quote. <laughs> um, it's just that very beginning quote. I love the way that she transitions into the new book by yeah. giving us a quote from the original story. So. There was no bed for her, and at night, when she had worked herself weary, she had to sleep by the earth in the ashes. I just love that. It sets the tone. It tells you we're onto a new section of this story and what that section will be like and be about, and I really like that type of transition as opposed to, like, titling the chapters, which is always a little bit of a giveaway as to what the content of the chapter is. Yeah, I just, I think, I think it's really neat, because I haven't... I haven't seen a lot of books that do this with it saying it's book two. Yeah, it's a really interesting way to um, separate the stories. Yes. How many books are there in this one? Four. There's four. And I believe that's consistent throughout the series. I believe each one is separated into four, you know, books. I'll check my, my other books. But it's very interesting, a very unique way to, to throw a book together. She didn't just throw it together like, oh, I'm going to make this book today. It's it's also a very interesting way to separate the parts of the story into different sections. Which means that we're transitioning. This is a transitioning chapter. Yes, and it's a very good uh, literary device to show us that we're transitioning into a new section. Yeah, and I think it's... It's neat. It is neat. It's a a good neat. It is a good (laughs) neat. I like it. Um... So, I, this is a big one. I, will, I actually have two Easter eggs for this chapter. Please, if you're trying to keep up with Easter eggs, read closely. Yes. Um, one of them is obvious. One of them is not. Uh-oh. Um, and then I want to remind everyone that we will have our first egg hatching in a few chapters from now, um, which is basically when one of the eggs I pointed out in the beginning will be revealed in the actual story. So, I'm excited to share that. Um, yeah, I guess I have to read all of this. Do you want to read any of these notes? (laughs) Um, these are just the things we do at the end of the episode. So our next episode is chapter 10. It is chapter 10. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you enjoyed our episode and you would like to, uh, help us out, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, there's not a review section, but you can leave a comment on SoundCloud and Cat and Castbox and I will take that as a review if you want to leave a comment there. Uh, you can also review us on Facebook or by shout out on Instagram and I'll I'll read those too. She reads all of them. I do. I love <laughs> it. It makes me so happy. It does. And they're really good. Like I honestly it makes me almost cry. 
You should go review us too. I know I should, and I really want to. I just I'm finding the proper way to do it. Yes, I don't want to make you cry, but I kind of do. (laughs) If it makes me cry, I'll have I'll have Becca read it. Um, (laughs) But I think um, actually your reviews. I do want to I do want to mention that because it's really heartening and makes me feel really good about society and humanity as a general. Looking at these reviews and how much um, how much love is given to you guys. Because, yes. I mean, this is how I go into work every morning to, like, give me the pep in the step. <laughs> and I think it's really sweet that other people feel the same way. And there it's, you go. Um, it's so sweet. I love it. It's when we put ourselves out there in this type of platform, you know, doing a podcast, talking about a series that we love mm-hmm. and a series that is beloved by so many. Yeah. You always have to be a little worried that you won't do it justice. Mm -hmm. And so reading these reviews really helps me feel like we're, we're doing a good job. Yeah. I think Um, you guys are, I think you're doing a great job. Not just a good job. (laughs) Yeah. I get, I get really giddy every time I read these reviews. I immediately text Becca, like, look what someone said. It's so nice to us. Um, and she's very grateful for them too. And she should be back for our next episode. Um, but if not, maybe we'll have another surprise guest. Um, I'm very excited for her to start all her new traveling adventures. Um, so if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please, um, message me on Facebook, uh, or Instagram, we're at Prince Kai Fan Pod. Uh, you can also message us at our Gmail account, which is Prince Kai Fan Pod at gmail.com. And just remember, no spoilers. No, <laughs> I know it's hard when you want to ask questions, but it's no so spoilers. It's, it's so hard. hard. It's hard for me, too. But it's kind of fun to do it this way because we it get is. the Easter eggs. This is so. super fun. And, I mean, you don't want to spoil movies or anything. like. Yeah. Uh, it's very, for anyone who watches Doctor Who, <laughs> spoilers. 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 That and, I mean, I, mean, I watch all of the Marvel movies, so yeah. that's a week. Well, and Becca too. hasn't read these books, so. Yeah, and she doesn't know. So. so we have to be very careful not to ruin it for her. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for coming on today, Miss Ashley. Do You're you want to tell anyone where they can find you on social they, media? They can find me at ash.smash.93 on Instagram. That's the only thing that I really have that's out there in public. Um, <laughs> I sew and have cats, so that's what you see. <laughs> that's all I do. Yes. Um, and we will see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Cinder by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Ashley Leonard. Thank you for listening. When we got Verizon 5G home internet, it sounded like it could handle all our needs. But one thing it couldn't handle was our frustration. And hey, we deserve reliable internet. It's time for better internet. Fast, reliable internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts.